You are listening to Flipping the Narrative. Come and flip with us. Hello, welcome again to another episode of Flipping the Narrative, a podcast where we talk about everything and anything and distill it through the prism of our Filipino-ness. I'm Bambina Olivares. I'm Luis Duterte. I'm Laura. How was your week? How was everyone on this rainy Sunday? So freaking busy, so worried about people in the rain, um, and a lot of work this week for me. I don't know. It's been a crazy week. Even with the rain, I got stuck in the rain the other day. But I know Luis has been cooking up a storm, so that's nice. Yeah, the, the, the cooking, you know, that keeps me going every day, so... I'm happy with a new project. And so it's just been fun to just go back into the kitchen, which I had not done in a long time. Wonderful. And I know Bams is still busy with her webinars and stuff, trying to educate all yeah, Filipinos. <laughs> no, but I also did this organic acids test, which is like really weird. It's like a well, urine test and it comes back and tells you, it gives you a snapshot of what your body is like at this Holy particular crap. point in time and basically everything I'm eating is wrong That's so much I'm so not basically you're the vitamins super I, I, you're super maasim maasim okay. ka pa pala right. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna call cut on that vein <laughs> and just move on <laughs> so anyway today this is a really for me a very important relevant topic and I think it's something that you know we talk a lot about class, the, the convergence, as Vin said in our last, in one of our previous episodes, the convergence between class and, um, and race and um, society in, in the Philippines. And, you know, you can't really talk about one without the other. There's a very strong thread of classicism that runs through Philippine society. And as we've said before, you live and die in, in the class you're born in and social mm-hmm. mobility is almost impossible and you know there there are obviously exceptional circumstances and i think nothing we're a post-feudal society as someone a friend of mine likes to say we're a feudal democracy <laughs> which is kind of oxymoronic right like I filipinos we're all oxymoronic naman eh, but ang dami yeah. problema we're so sweet and you know we're fun but yeah daming problema smile, right? <laughs> no but the truth is like a lot of us there's many of us that can afford help and many who are working as hell, right? And it's a reality. And I think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because we have kind of mastered the art and science, if you want to call it that, of sending our Filipino workers abroad to be workers, domestics, engineers, teachers, and all that. And, um, you know, and then we hail them as heroes because they, let's be frank, they prop up the economy. But, you know, there are all sorts of factors as well that, that, you know, come in all sorts of consequences that come into it. And our guest today is um, our flipper today is a friend of mine, Saisa Cruz Bakani, who is like just the most amazing person. She is a second generation domestic. She started out as a second generation migrant domestic worker in Hong Kong. Now she used, you know, she used photography. She had this talent for documentary and street photography. And, um, She's used photography since to raise awareness about underreported stories, focusing on the intersections of labor and human rights. Her mother was a domestic worker, and um, but nowadays you see Saisa's byline everywhere. I mean, I'm so you know proud of her and what she's achieved and continues to achieve. She's destined for so much more. 
she's worked for National Geographic, CNN, California Sunday. I mean, just name it. She's there. And not only that, she is one of the Magnum Foundation Photography and Social Justice Fellows of 2015. She's exhibited worldwide, won awards in photography. She is the recipient of a resolution passed by the Philippine House of Representatives in her honor called HR number 1969. Saiza is a WMA Commission grantee, a Pulitzer Center and Open Society Foundation Moving Walls 2017 grantee. She's one of the BBC's 100 Women of the World in 2015, 30 Under 30 photographers, 2016 Women Photographers in 2015, Forbes 30 Under 30 Asia 2016, Asia Society's 21 Young Leaders 2018 and a Fuji Film Ambassador. Plus, she has a book called We Are Like Air. Beautiful, beautiful book of her. The whole podcast could just be reading about her. She's amazing. I can go on and on, right? And I'm sure she'll tell us later on she did something for Ayala Corporation. So, Taisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us and flipping with us today. We're very excited to, to be with you. Thank you for having me. I really like the term sleeper. There's such a, I know, but it's so a stig or something nah. like that. I'm a <laughs> not. There we go. <laughs> it's so gangsta. You know, nah. it's like, I like, like it. That, um, I already want to be her best friend. I'm like, see, that's my goal in life. A stig, man. Puta. Since I was a stig. Love it. Thank you for having me. It's 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 um an uh, an honor as usual. Um, I always love having a conversation with Bombina, and now I'm meeting you guys. So thank you for having me. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, you know, g- given that you know Bombina's introduction, so, so I, I know that this is very important to you, and it it caught my thoughts when I first read that this was something that you had said. You say that photography is a privilege, that it has always been a privilege. And I'd love to start off our episode today having you comment on that because privilege is something that is so screwed up in many ways. It's a big thing, yeah. It's a big thing. And the fact that you are attaching your craft to privilege is something that to me was incredibly eye-opening. You know, I always say that photography is a privilege because, well, first, not everyone can afford a camera, right? Mm-hmm. Before the, the, you know, before mobile photography um, made it accessible to the world, it's only people who have the means to actually buy a camera can become a photographer. So it's a privilege. But then as I, you know, I grow wiser and older, I, I realize that the reason why I, I see it that way is because photography equates with power and power is privilege, you know? And, and the mm-hmm. reason for that is when I'm out there taking photographs, the power is all on me, you know? Yeah. I'm the one who's holding the power and the weapon is the camera. Yep. I, can, I can use it in two ways. The first one is I can use it to tell the truth, like what is happening in front of me, or I can use it to distort the truth. Yep. So all the power is in me and the people that that I photograph don't have any unless I make them my collaborators. Right. So even the language of photography is power. Yes. Like we call people that we photograph subjects. Like what are we, kings and queens that we have subjects? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, or we say, <laughs> or we, say we should have a point. Yeah, we should people. 
Like, why are we shooting people? It's almost like we're gunning. Yeah. It's a kind of violence. And there's a wonderful tone of the word shoot, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or we crap the photo or we cut mm-hmm. people off. So there's so yeah. much power packed into photography that we don't even notice. So for me, photography is really a privilege of, of those who are using a camera to whatever purpose they want to use it. So it comes to what kind of photographer are you going to be or what kind of human being are you going to be? Are you going to use that privilege to help or are you going to use that to for propaganda? Yeah. That is awesome. And that's That's incredible. It's interesting too, because, you know, so I studied back in the day in another life. So I wanted to get my PhD. I wanted to be a teacher. I was an academic uh, I was in the academic world and I studied semiotics and part of it was also cultural anthropology. And so much of it is that now when you're writing about people as an anthropologist or when you're drawing people or photographing people, you're the author. You decide how they're going to be represented. You yes. decide, but everything, the Aitas, for example, I keep bringing up our indigenous Filipino brethren. They're only known to the world because of how they're written about, right? It's not like their voices are out there representing themselves. And that's part of the reason why they're so erased. And so I love, love, love hearing you, you know, embrace that. Yeah, this is a privilege. And yes, this comes with power. Therefore, the choice is how are you going to use that power? I love hearing yeah, you. It's, you know, it's, you and, also and, could and have again, gone it, through any kind of, I know, of photography. You could have gone through any any uh, any genre within photography right but you still chose to shoot people in the streets and migrant workers and to highlight their situation sorry louise i i, I no 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 yeah i mean no no it was important i i, th- I think given the fact that we were talking about you know um you know uh, privilege you know power um you know i think another thing that's very important to talk about is responsible photography Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Saisa, that you're very, very keen on 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 real facts and uh, on ethics when you're doing this. Um, and to me, that was also very, very important to to underscore because um, we think of 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 you know fake news just on on social media, mm-hmm. but the power that a camera can bring to fake news or ethics is insane. And you have chosen to go the route of being positive and making sure that the facts are clear and real. Yeah, um, I, I try to do that because I, I really want to sleep at night. <laughs> I don't want to be... <laughs> That's the main reason. Like, I don't want to be like sleeping and then wake up the next morning. I always say that um, I rarely lie. I'm not a perfect person. I lie for the people I love. Like I tell them they look pretty even though they don't. Because, you know, most guys don't lie. But I, I, I try to, as much as possible, I try to do the right thing because at the end of the day, you're alone and you're just going to think about like, have I done something wrong to the society or to another person? So I love sleeping at night. So that's why I try as much as possible to just present the facts. That's it. This is it. You know, there's nothing more, nothing less. This, this is what happened, you know, and there's not a lot of money in lying. I don't know with politicians, but you know, in my, on my side, I don't get anything if I lied. So might as well, it's not the truth, you know? It's your eyes, right? People see what your photos through your eyes. And what you're doing is also focusing on people who aren't normally seen, right? Hmm. There's an element of invisibility that you're, you're uncovering 
for, for mm-hmm. everyone to see. So these are, again, truths and realities that, that a lot of people don't want to face. Well, the truth is a difficult, um, it's difficult. It, it's something that people don't accept. That's why we're in a very shitty situation right now because we mm-hmm. cannot accept the truth, the reality. So I, I do think that what I'm presenting is not the truth for everyone because people can be in denial, but I'm presenting my truth and the people that I collaborated collaborate with. This is our truth. It can be, you can deny it. You can say that, that it's, you know, it's not happening, but this is ours and it's up to the other people to accept that our truth, our reality actually matters, you know? It, it's not an easy, um, it's not easy to do that, especially nowadays. Like there's, mm. it's super challenging because again, as Louise have said, the prevalent of fake news, like it, it's so the social media has become this big monster that we don't know what to do with it. You mm-hmm. know, it gave platform to people who don't have good intentions and it can even elect, you know, people in power or something like yeah. that. So mm-hmm. it's such a huge monster right now. So I try to, despite all this noise, despite all this, you know, terrible things that's happening to the world, I try to find these little stories or realities of life that are not always seen and and put a spotlight on it that's that's the goal every every single time i do a story yeah we're all so sick and excited to talk about your work (laughs) it's so affecting it's so powerful hearing your philosophy i mean there's so much we can go to just from the art and the photography alone right but so that i don't forget that part of the reason we wanted you on here was to talk also about your experience right Mm -hmm. um my mother, I don't come from an old, wealthy, traditional Filipino family, right? My mother comes from a very small town in Bugo, Cebu, originally. She happened to be born in a time where she had social mobility from hard work. I actually, I hate hearing about meritocracy because parang, parang it's so easy, no? If you have no money and you're working on the street, all you have to do is work hard and go to school and okay, kana, which is so not the case, right? My mother was brilliant. She worked her butt off, but also circumstances happened to allow her to really move and and succeed. So I'm so proud of her, but I'm very aware of that in my life, right? The the beginnings of my mom, et cetera, et cetera. And then Bambina made the point, which is true for many of us, which is why beauty queens, in our, our episode about beauty queens, some people who join pageants, it's because there's no other option to get out of their current circumstances because they're female. You know, they want education, they want opportunity and all this. So I'm curious with you, like, I, how did your mom react? Like when you said you wanted to get into photography or how has this journey been like for you? And, and maybe the change of like exhibiting in Hong Kong after how you first came there. I'd love to know more about that. Well, my mom is, is well, she's an amazing woman, but she's also very practical because <laughs> always trying to survive. So the first thing that she told me is, well, photography is only for the rich people and we're not rich. So at first she wasn't that vocally supportive. And I, I understand her because she's being practical, right? Uh, a camera cost three months of my salary back then. And, yeah. and for me to buy a camera with that amount of money, that's already huge. That's massive yeah. loss of, of income for our part. So um, for my mom, that's, that was the first reaction. 
And then, um, as you know, when when she realized that I actually loved doing it, she became supportive. She became my other eye, and I became and her eye of Hong Kong. So she, she doesn't really go out. She don't go out for holidays. Mm-hmm. So my photos, uh, she was able to actually, you know, see Hong Kong through my photos, and and then. She became my biggest critique as well. So whenever I show her the image, she tells me, oh, it's pangit. Oh, okay. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, and the best part about her is this. Like every time I get an award, like all the things that Bambina have heard, this is her first reaction. My premio bayan, my cash bajan. That's her first reaction because a thousand dots. <laughs> yeah, that's like. Oh my God. We need an episode on Filipino mothers' reactions. So she's the practical one because she's yeah. the one, you know, the breadwinner of the family. Yeah. She's she's a very funny woman. She has this really dark humor that maybe I got half of it, but hers. So okay, so you your mother was she was working as a domestic helper in Hong Kong, right? Yeah, no, and yeah. then you so Bambina made a point earlier when we were talking. Our our country tends to, you know, yay OFWs because really they're the only reason why we have an economy that's working, correct? But it's also a hard life because you leave so many loved ones, you're entrusting your kids in the care of other people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the whole point of that, for me, what really bothers me is if our country were healthy. <laughs> So many of us would not have to leave the country so that our kids could eat and go to school. Okay. So number yeah. one, yes, they're heroes, but at the same time, sana naman hindi kailangan. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, mm. The second thing that Pambina pointed out, I thought was interesting, which is supposedly, pag nag ka, it's so that your family can have all these amazing opportunities, right? And I'm wondering, did you find that for you guys? Was that the reality? I agree with what Pambina have said and what you said that. Migration should be a ch- should be a choice, not mm. the only option. You know, supposed to be. It should be that way. That's the healthy way of migrating because we cannot. Stop, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we cannot stop mobility. Um, you can go to an airport, buy a ticket, and then you can move if you want to. But what's happening with our country is it became the only option. Yeah, exactly. A lot of of Filipinas and mm-hmm. Filipinos. So there's a lot of nuances that people don't know mm-hmm. because it's always about oh my God, makabagong bayani, the heroes. But they don't realize mm-hmm. that we are actually having a generation because it started 1970s, like right. We have a generation of Filipino children who are unemotionally healthy. That's so true. Yeah. Because they are growing up without a parent. You know, mm-hmm. they're the mental health issues that people don't talk about because they're still taboo in this country, right? Like if you say, Oh, I'm depressed, they'll be like, Tulug mo lang yan, or something like that. They make jokes mm-hmm. about yeah. mental health problems. Binigyan ka ng Nintendo, buti ka pa, binigyan ka ng Nintendo ng mommy right. mo, di ba? Huwag ka na magreklamo. Swerte yeah. mo. Salamat ka. Oh, oh, the balikbayan boxes. They're like, oh, yeah. the worst will be like, oh, they're so lucky. They're, they were receiving all these boxes and gifts from their mothers. And because uh, the chil- the Filipino children be- growing up without, you know, missing a parent, we don't even have a data of it. Mm-hmm. So there's really a big problem that 
impact the nation. Parang ang liit na bagay, right? Oh, a uh, uh, child growing up without a parent. Parang mm-hmm. ang liit na bagay. But how can we produce emotionally intelligent Filipinos yep. when in the first place, they're growing up without a parent? Yeah. It's difficult. Amen. Right? Yeah. It's, it's so difficult. And you're not acknowledging that there are mental issues arising yeah. from that. Yeah, there's yes. no support. Right. There's no support for the kids. There's, there's even, no and I don't want to get into this too much now because I don't have the data in front of me, but there's also a rising concern about incest, diba? Because these kids are left alone and then there all these things are happening and there's no support. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Saisa, but it, 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 yeah, I hear you and yes. So go ahead, sorry. That's what I was thinking about a lot about, about migration lately. It's about how Filipinos are growing up with the mental health issues that we don't even acknowledge that it yeah. exists, you know? I think you brought no, but also, the word, you know, the word yeah. choice, I think is so key. Ibana if you're migrating yeah. for choice. Ibana if you're a refugee. Ibana if you don't have any opportunities at home and therefore have to do this. Um, yeah. And it's definitely. When you migrate by choice, you're called an expatriate. Yes. When you don't, well, you have no choice. No, no, no. Uh, I mean, an overseas worker. If you migrate by choice and look a certain way, you're an expat. But yeah. if you migrate by choice and don't quite you come from the third world, for example, and you come from the third world, or you come yeah, from you migrant know, worker, you're yeah. a migrant worker, or you're a refugee, or you're whatever, but you're not an expat. That's a expat. I was talking about that the expat no, migrant thing. When I was no, when I was working as a domestic worker in Hong Kong, I was called a migrant worker. That was when I became a little bit sikat. People are calling me expat. I was like, oh, yeah, expat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, when they start reading my name on the, the on the news and all of that, and they're like, yeah, you're an expat. I'm like, what? What happened? When did this? <laughs> when did this we were talking about this earlier before you joined. That's what you're saying. I was saying because I lived in Hong Kong for many years, and obviously, I employed domestic workers i had a yaya who'd been with me uh, you know several years followed me uh, all around the world and all that i i wonder if it had been my own helper who suddenly discovered she had this whole talent for photography would i have been as generous and encouraging as your your your, your australian employers right to say you should absolutely do this stop working for us and pursue this because you're really talented i might have just said because you know, I, it's just the way things were. I might have just said, oh, galing mo pala, ha? Oh, okay. And, you know, encouraged it as a hobby, but not, hey, leave us and, you know, and go You got fired, because- right, Saisa? Yeah, they yeah, fired yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yay! That was the best firing. Yeah, <laughs> best, <laughs> absolutely best reason, right? Yeah. It really put, she really pushed me because if she didn't fire me, I probably wouldn't be able to change the cycle yeah. of migration in my family. Yeah. 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 Whereas I would have been imprisoned by that whole mentality thinking, yeah, okay, well, wow, my, you know, my helper can take pictures. Oh, galing mo, okay. Then, but um, not to the extent that you were. Bam, so you that's know, you were Because, you know, obviously all of us here have spent time reflecting on this, et cetera, et cetera. But I think what you said at the beginning is so true. We're still such a feudal society in that way now. For many Filipinos, this is really considered normal. You grow up, um, I, at some point, you hire help, right? And you're considered, quote, a good amo. Amo, by the way, is the worst freaking word I can imagine, okay? But anyway, you're, you're, the, you're, quote, a good boss if your 
kind. As if naman, this is not a basic human requirement, right? If you Absolutely. pay a, a living wage, again, as if naman, this is not a basic human requirement. That we have kasambahay laws that just happened not too long ago. Yeah. Require people yeah. for SSS, pag-ibig, and all this social security net stuff. And galit pa some employers that they have to do it, right? Galit pa. So, parang there's also no education na, you know, it can go beyond that, that ideally you could be a stepping stone towards, in Zaisa's words, changing the migration or the mobility story or journey Choice. of a family. Yeah, yeah right? absolutely. I mean, part of the whole um, migration thing, OFW, whatever you call it, phenomenon, was Sorry. to help that their remittances you know, would and their working abroad would help their own families, you know, escape poverty or or get away from that. But the fact that you, Saiza, felt that you had no choice but to also follow in your mom's footsteps tells you that it's a myth, right? That that you know that it does that. Yeah. But yeah, because you know, um the the thing about OFWs that people don't know about is it's not a lot of money. It, mm-hmm. You know, you earn what? 20,000 a month mm. and you're away from your family it just shows how difficult for Filipinos to live in this country because super can you imagine a person going to Saudi Arabia earning 10,000 to 12,000 I, I don't know the the, the recent um, salary but 10,000 to 12,000 a month and they're separated from their family they're risking their lives for mm-hmm. that amount of money this OFWs are su- super brave. Yeah. They're really br- brave. But then it, it, it's more like a question of like, are you willing to leave your family for this amount of money? Right? It, it's, it's not a lot of money. So the idea that, oh my God, uh, someone's going to go abroad, the family will be better. They can finally eat spam or chocolate, but that's it. Yeah. Sometimes the, the worst part is the, the family that they left behind, pagbalik, wala na. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. The husband yeah. have another wife. The kids yeah. married early. So, is is the I don't know. Is the sacrifice worth it? Yeah, mm-hmm. is, is the sacrifice worth it? Mm-hmm. You know. So, because you know what, the problem with this country, talaga, that our only export is people. Alam mo yun. Parang laging tao na lang yung pinapalabas natin, and we're yeah. a very rich country when it. it you know, and nothing resources. But the, the mm. whatever government who's sitting in this government decided that okay, we just send people. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, so expendable, uh, right? Yeah. So many so, people expendable na lang eh. The fact that again, when you sort of make that choice or not the choice to leave to migrate, right? And you become a migrant worker abroad. Um, all of a sudden, you know, it becomes uh, that you have hardships on two sides. Um, and I'll explain a little bit more. But on the one side, you are not earning great money and you send that back to, to you know, to your almost hometown, to the people who are left that almost all of it. So you, you sort of resign to a life of, of, of nothingness uh, where you live, right? And so that's on one side if we're looking at, at that class issue. But then there's the other side as well that I repeatedly see in every single space on the Philippine sort of diaspora, which is when you go back home, everybody else expects you to bring back more stuff. Mm. And, 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 and almost like, 
you know, you cannot come back if you do not bring spam, if you do not do this. And, and then all of a sudden you have to treat everybody in Manila to these restaurants and this and that. And like, so not only are you working hard as hell to support your family, but then all of a sudden the people who come back, when, when you come back, the people who are left behind, the extended family become suckers for all of this, you know, not too much additional cash that you have anyways, right? Mm. And so it becomes an incredible um, sort of phenomenon where your own people, your own brethren, your own family start abusing the fact that you have been out there working so much. Hola, desperation, seguro. <laughs> Yeah, one of the reasons is because migrant workers don't tell the truth to their, to their families. Mm. They don't really share what they've been going through. Mm. Like, especially when, when Facebook was, you know, was, well, when people, everyone's using Facebook, you see photos of migrant workers, you know, at the Story National you know, or, or ah. photos of good food, mm. and they post it. Mm-hmm. When you look at their life, it, it looks like they're having fun, they're enjoying. So with the side of the family back home, mm-hmm. they feel a little bit of resentment. You know, there's a resentment, mm-hmm. um, especially with the children. They're like, oh, my mom left me for this good life. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. my girl asked her for money because that's the reason why she left, right? So the family started asking for more because most migrant workers, uh, people that I know of, they don't really tell the truth that, oh my God, this food that I just posted on Facebook is actually the food that my employers are eating. Right. I'll be eating noodles tonight or cup noodles tonight. But right. they don't tell the truth to their families. There's, right. it's, it's more like a um, self-preservation thing, I think. They don't yeah. want... Absolutely. Yeah, they don't want people to know that their life has been difficult abroad. They, make, they want their families to believe that it's worth it. That yeah. they have. So yeah. there's a lot of like, like reasoning behind that. So many layers. And yeah. So many layers. And the family back home, they're just going to be like, okay, send money, send money, send money, That's because so you're having a good life. Right. You're having a good life. So we should have a good life as well. You so it became, it became like a cycle of like, of, of denial between two sides. Did you think that oh. of your mother before you yourself became a domestic worker? Oh yeah, therefore <laughs> I feel guilty about it until now. Mm-hmm. It's one of my biggest guilt mm-hmm. because when I was um, I was studying for nursing school, mm-hmm. I I have this thing where I ask my mother for money and I expect her to send it immediately mm-hmm. because I thought Western U- Union is just like a neighbor or something, and she had money all the time. I didn't realize that she need to borrow money from the driver, from the employer, and then she needs to run to Central. Because I don't know. I, I didn't know. I thought it was it was yeah. easy for her. Yeah. And so when I when I became a migrant worker myself, I was like, holy shit, this is I feel bad. I'm I'm such a bad daughter. Because I, I did I did I, I didn't know. She didn't tell us that it was that difficult. She didn't tell us that she was not taking holidays. Yeah. Or she's not having day offs because for her it's more like as long as I can provide for the family. Yeah. Yeah, I said it's interesting. My my relationship with my mother went through also a period like that where I felt so resentful because she was never home. I was alone. Parang pucha, everything na lang is more important than me. You're never here on my yeah. birthday, ganyan, ganyan, diba? Sa kanya naman, she was really thinking, I am literally working myself to the bone. <laughs> 
so that your life is different from anything I ever knew before, right? And she she succeeded tremendously. And me and my little, you know, spoiled little privileged tacoon here, I felt na, why ba? Is it so hard? Why can't you spare ganyan ganyan for my birthday? So I think it's a very natural thing. And I think you're hitting on so many points that no one freaking talks about. And if we're going to mm-hmm. hold up our migrant workers this high and say they're the saviors of our society and all this stuff, maybe some of the support should go into, yes, let's set up the family so that we clarify, you know, this is how to talk about it. Um, your, your nana is going or whatever. How does that make you feel? Like perhaps we should really have some sort of mental health or family therapy support if this is really going to be part of the lives of, of Filipinos. You know what I mean? I think you're hitting on so many amazing things. That's true. I said that you have a niece who's also planning to go. Am I right? Uh Um, Oh, my sister actually wants to go, but we we made a family decision that she should never leave her children. It's it's not stable. But does she feel that she has the option not to go? I mean, Uh, mother didn't think so, right? It's quite funny because she's now she's almost graduating uh she's studying major in psychology something like that about mental wow. health fantastic yeah because uh one thing that uh she realized is how we have a lot of traumas that we never talk about yep. and so she decided to focus her study on it mm-hmm. and so I, I told her like you know that there's trauma in migration so why would you leave your children mm. so she made the decision herself that, okay, I can't let my daughters go through what I went through. So that's another way to, to break the cycle, but it's still a family effort. You know, it's not, everyone needs to, to help out because we don't want her leaving her children. Yeah. I want to talk um, to so so. I did, I did trauma mm-hmm. therapy for we're many also big. We're also so big that we're like, we have all these questions. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, I want to talk to your sister at some point because I, I did trauma therapy for many years called EMDR and it was very, very helpful. And if all of a sudden I'm like, oh, we should make a movement for mental health to support our families and oh, we should get more people certified at EMDR. And now I just, I just want to talk to all of you and, and yeah, that's yeah. Like a bit of a segue. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it gets yeah. on. I have a lot of traumas that I buried. <laughs> it took me years. No, no. I'm sure. I'm sure. I, and then that was my question, um, uh, Saisa. I think, you know, one of the brilliant things that you have chosen to do, because I think you have chosen to do this, is your pictures tell the positive story of situations that are not that positive, mm-hmm. right? Um, you choose to take pictures. Uh, on, on, on sur- of survivors or you tell survivors stories I love that of you because you again these are choices that we are given mm-hmm. and you have come from trauma and you, you have your tool and you are authoring your art mm-hmm. and you choose to go the route of being positive when money many times is not in that um I think it comes with, yeah, what you said about, um, I think, you know, sometimes when I do projects, I always think that it's uh, my self-reflection, like, because I came from trauma, I'm surviving my own trauma. And, and so when I'm taking photographs, I want people to see 
that it's possible to survive. You know, mm. it's uh, it also more unlike representation mm-hmm. because when what I don't appreciate with my with my industry is we choose to show hardship and it has its merit. We all know that it's difficult, but it kind of like desensitize people, the audience, mm-hmm. because it's so easy Poverty. for people. Yeah, it's so easy for them to say like, why would I relate? It doesn't happen to me. But when you show the survivors, when you show people who are living their life, um, dealing with the cards that they have and can still manage to be happy and smile, maybe it will change something in the brain of the audience that like, oh my God, we're the same. Maybe I could do something for these people because we're actually both humans. So, so that's why I, I, I chose to show positivity well, not all the time. Uh, let's just say I cannot enter a certain country. Okay. I'm blacklisted because I, I did this story about migrant workers, which they don't appreciate because they feel like I'm showing their country in a bad light. Uh-huh. So, so, so I, still, I still do that, but I do believe that there are a lot of ways to tell a story in a way that you humanize the people that I am photographing. You, know? you need to humanize them because if you don't, then we cannot get empathy or sympathy from from the audience. That's yeah. that you need to show that there's more to these people. They're not just poor people. They're not yeah. just survivors. There's so many, you know, um, there's so many layers because humans are complicated. You know, we're not just in a box. I hate it when people do a checklist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like, okay, she's this, she's that. And I do think that it's coming from a place of ignorance because they, they don't understand that a person actually has so many layers. Mm-hmm. Like for today, you can be this person and two hours from now, you can be a, a different person. Yeah. But then it's so easy to be like, okay, just put it in a box because that's the way we understand it. Yeah. But see, you've transcended that box. You were in the domestic worker, migrant worker box. And now, like you said, people are calling you an expat, which you are, you know, but I'm saying that that's also changed, right? And, and to actually just limit you to one or the other is not telling the whole story. Yeah, actually. I'm so curious, Isa. When you are in Manila in particular, do you encounter mm. classist comments, quant or patronizing comments or nonaman? People have been pretty cool. Um, it depends on what kind of person. I can smell bullshit from far away, so I try to like. <laughs> I love it. My bullshitometer is very strong. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was more like I already know if the person is like patronizing me or being just you know or just curious about me. Like, oh my god, she's yeah. a million. Let's meet her, something like that. So I, I, I know, <laughs> but but um, I've met a lot of good. If, if there's one thing in my life that I'm grateful for, I've met a lot of good people with good intentions who are very generous of their time, of their homes, of their money. That's, a, you know, that's really important. That's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> like, I never asked any. Well, uh, I never asked anything. I've, I've met a lot of, of people who can actually make my life more comfortable, but I never asked for anything from them. And they respected my craft in a way that instead of just giving me money like a handout, 
They're mm-hmm. like, let's hire her. I right. love that because it means they see me as an equal. Right. They don't see me yeah. as someone who's like, oh my God, she needs a hand handout. She needs some financial mm-hmm. help. You know, mm-hmm. it, no. it, it, I feel respected. I feel dignified when people do that with me. You know, it's not like, okay, okay, let's give her a handout, something like that. So in Manila, yes, I, I met a lot of good people, gracious people, because I choose to ignore negative people. There are ways of space, you know. Is it the same overseas? Do you also get, you know, I mean, in general, or do you have, do you get negative comments as well from people, oh, yeah. people overseas? Really? Overseas, a lot more, especially in Hong Kong. If we can inherit generational trauma, we can also inherit racism. Amen. Right? Yes. Yeah. Like, like, that's what Harry said, right? <laughs> I, I do. I, I, I believe in that because if mm-hmm. you grew up in a racist environment, mm-hmm. there's you the tendency that yeah. you're also going to be a racist. Yeah. But, and it's similar with trauma. If you grow up in a very traumatic environment, that trauma, you, you know, it will be in your blood. Yeah. In the next generation and the next generation. Yeah. So, uh, when someone's being an asshole and, or being, you know, someone is being like telling things that are unacceptable to me, I try, I, I try to understand that it's not their fault. It's their parents' fault. <laughs> I, was You're like, so nice. I was like, oh my God. You are so nice. <laughs> me, I'm like, me, I'm like, it's your parents' fault until you're freaking 18. Then figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, go figure ahead, it out. yourself, watch some shit, read some shit. What Past the age of 18 or 21. I mean, figure that out, man. You don't have to be a racist yeah. if your parents were. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> rant on the side. It's incredibly racist. I think it's always a remnant of a colonial society because you have all these tasks, right? Whether formalized or not. But because I remember when I first went to live in Hong Kong, we were I was I was very fortunate because we were a bunch of friends. We all grew up together. Or we all knew of each other. We all studied abroad, got married, came back, went, ended up, you know, our, our, our husbands ended up in Hong Kong, right? And so, but one of my friends was saying, a Filipina friend, she said her, her tita had told her when she moved to Hong Kong, don't wear jeans on Sunday and don't go to Statue Square. Don't go to Central. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why? Oh, they might think you're a maid, right? And mm-hmm. which is... You know, when you think about it, it's a terrible thing to say, right? It's a and so, thing to say. And but, but you know, and I've said this before. You're you're also going into you know you're you're you're, you're it's a new life. You're married. Everything. You're in a new country. You're also trying to distinguish yourself from because you see the racism. You see the way they talk about the disparaging way they talk about the help. So you're also a little bit of like, oh, I'm not one of them, you know, and. Mm-hmm. I'm a member of the country club. I'm, you know, you know what I mean? It's just all these things. And Saisa, we had this conversation when we first met and it's something that's always been, I've been trying to find a way to say it to you or whatever, but I've just maybe not as good a time as any, but I asked you, I said, you know, do Filipinos look at you differently? Were there Filipinos that ignored you before in Hong Kong? Like you lived oh, in a building in a Kong, right? And there were other Filipinos. Um, and, would they like, you know, look at you a certain way, knowing that you were a um, domestic worker? And then now that you're Sikat, you know, do they do they look at you differently, right? And you said yes, right? There were people that like didn't even give you the time of day. They were also Filipinos, remember? And I always asked myself, would I have been one of those people? 
But I have been one of those people with the, you know, walking past the, you know, the poolside in Hong Kong in the building and thinking, ah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Hi. She's a, you know, she works for so-and-so on the apartment, you know, 6F or whatever you call it. And then if you were Sikat, would I suddenly be like, hey, you know, and you're like, who's this bitch? Like she never gave me the time of day before. And now just because I'm famous, you know what I mean? I always wonder, I hope. I, I'm not that person, or I, think, I hope I, I wouldn't have been the person. We, we've all I evolved. love the self-awareness. I love the self-awareness. Yeah. You know, because change starts with that. Yep. When you became, if you're aware of your privileges, if you're aware of, um, you self-check. You know, you mm-hmm. people don't need to check you because you check yourself. Like you mm-hmm. wonder, you ask questions. That's good. It's a good sign. You know that that you're actually trying to do the right thing, and and. And you're checking yourself. So that's a good sign. That's a good thing. It means you're not a bad person because you're actually thinking. Yeah. You know, I says like, mams, you're okay. Yes. I'm glad I didn't meet you then because you'd be like, like, like let, me, let me help you feel better. <laughs> yeah, let me introduce you to my sister. She'll help you out with your mental problems. <laughs> I, I agree with Isa very much, but I actually have a question for everybody here. Okay. As mm. Filipinos, how often do you code switch? And I mean, that that term is, for example, if I am if so Filipina, right? But I look whiter to some people, I look more Asian to some people, correct? When mm-hmm. I'm in the United States, before I might have when I was younger, depending on certain business meetings, tried to distance myself a little bit from anything Filipino in terms of, I don't know, my accent or things I would say or refer to, diba. Right? All of a sudden, I'd be like, no, 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 you know, half of my family is from Maine and rah, whatever. But when I was with my Pinoy immigrant families in freaking, you know, 14th Street, Abo, Lechon, Pancit, like, you know, really, that's a Let's code. Go to Queens, kain tayo. Hello, sino pumunta sa Century 21? May sale mga yan. I mean, you know, like, mm. very different code switching talaga. And then when I was with men versus women or da 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 how often do you find that you code switch? Lou, I would guess in part being around, you know, very cis. For, for me, people, yeah. You know. I, I think, you know, I, I'd like to qualify the fact that, you know, for me, code switching is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. I think as human beings, we need to always find a way to relate to others. Mm-hmm. And we are made up, as I was saying, by different boxes. Or not boxes, or let's call them circles that interact with each other. Um, so I, I, I have many, many of those because yes, I am semi-white. I am also Filipino, but then I'm gay, and then I am this, and I am that, and I'm you know. And so the issue to me is I've always used um, that awareness probably to be able to relate more with the person that I have there at that time. You know, I think um, the intention with which you code switch is absolutely essential okay. because if you do it for the right reasons then we're okay yeah, you're building code switching for the wrong reasons and then yeah. that's a different story so, so let me, have your biases in check yeah. and then use them let me add a way to connect yeah but let me add a nuance then to help clarify what i guess what i'm asking when do you feel the need to if you are of your own choice, going back to that great word from Saisa, if it's your choice to code switch, because I want to make a more comfortable environment, I want to bond with someone better, I want to appear more vulnerable. That's one thing. It's another if yeah. you feel like you might be 
like me in certain meetings in the United States with white men in business, I don't want to be looked at as the girl who might be Filipina, who was young at the time, young. <laughs> um, I don't want to look like that because I know they won't listen to me. They'll talk over me, et cetera, et cetera. So how many mm-hmm. times do you feel the need that you have to code switch to not be ignored, dismissed, or even be in danger or whatever? So I will, I will keep on going on this side. I am the wrongest person of the world to talk about this it's because A, I'm male, B, I am white, mm-hmm. you know, white period. Passing. I mean, that's white it, passing. passing, whatever, call it white passing, but white, yeah. basically, in that or sense. A pale-ass um, motherfucker. A pale-ass motherfucker, right? I, I can't do anything with that. I mean, yes, I have Kapampangan and Ilongo blood and whatever, but at the end of the day, somebody looks at me like, you motherfucker, I'm white, right? So that's it. Um, and then, so I'm gay, so I, that's my superpower. Um, so I have every reason, you know, um, I have every reason, um, to have never felt any fear to have to code switch, um, for the reasons that you're talking about. So like a um, frat, frat, like hardcore, toxic, masculine environment. Never. Um, no, I was actually, I was very proud of uh, sort of, um, maybe not even that conscious about being fully gay or out at the time. But to me, there was a very, very strong sense of self that, you know, uh, my parents sort of basically made sure I understood about myself Mm. um, that, that, that was very powerful. Many years later, I'm like, shit, I was never aware (laughs) about that. And if I had been, I probably would have not been as strong or Mm. as feisty or as um, cocky as I Mm. was. I'm I'm envious actually. I I didn't have a backbone really till much later. Sorry, Bams, go ahead. But what about you? I'm curious. The code switching is really. I mean, I've lived in many different countries with very different people. All you know, one is a as a, a corporate wife, you know, ex fat wife, and this, and then single mom, and all. And then you know, you deal with all sorts of people. Um, so there is a certain amount of code switching, but. I think, like you said, Laura, a lot of it is also related to work that you want to be taken also seriously. seriously. Yeah. So, you know, and it, it's mainly that, but also... You don't get mansplained ever. I don't get what? Mansplained? No, I yeah. do sometimes. But, you know, I'm like... I, there, was this, there was this time when I was working for a, a newspaper um, for a while when I first moved back. Mm. And for some reason, everything was fine, right? I was a lifestyle editor. Everything was fine. For a while and then for some reason the actor you know of the paper it suddenly had this like i think it was around the time i published my book and they were he was like suddenly picking on me and saying that you know i wasn't a team player i i didn't have a team i only had one writer and an outsourced graphic designer right i mean all these things that i didn't want to be on the same floor as the uh, same room as the re- they assigned the room you know i just all these things right and so they were you know just then they called me into a meeting with uh, some people from the board and all that. And there is really like intimidation because they would call and say, oh, you know, we're here. And it was 1.30. I said, our meetings at 2, right? I mean, I'm going to be there at 2. So, you know, it's just like a kind of harassment. Mm. And then um, I remember, so I walked into that meeting. I wore a leather skirt. <laughs> I wore a silk shirt. I wore high heels. My hair was like, I walked in there like I was in a shampoo commercial. 
you know, these idiots did. They all stood up to greet me and one another. They started to kiss me. And so that idiot guy, that, that editor, who was giving me a hard time, I looked at him and I said, do you want to kiss me too? Good <laughs> job. <laughs> I feel like there's another, yeah. there are other issues there we could talk about. That's fascinating. Yeah, well, this is another episode. Change. Yeah. Leather Sorry, size. I, <laughs> um, I code switch a lot, mm. even here in the Philippines, because it's necessary for my job. Um, and I'm, I, I'm also very porous. So I react how the person at that moment is um, having an interaction with me. Uh, when I'm ab- abroad, I code switch like the same as you, uh, Laura. When I'm with Filipino friends, my accent is back on. <laughs> my partner, he's he's white, and he noticed that that if I'm with with, I think it's a very conscious. Um, I don't know. I was unconscious about it until he pointed it out that when I'm with my um, white friends or I'm I'm in an environment where everyone's white, I lose the accent. I talk like a New Yorker. Because it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it it's more like a, a survival thing. I, yeah. I explained yeah. to him, like, yeah. I'm trying to survive in a sea of whiteness. I'm sorry mm-hmm. if I don't switch. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so when I'm, because I always receive this comment from white people, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. They, two questions, like, what first, why is your English so good? <laughs> and then I explain, <laughs> then I explain, and oh, our country was colonized by your colonized us for like 50 years, assholes. Exactly. <laughs> and then, <laughs> speak your language. <laughs> and then I thought that we're done, but there's always the next question, which is like, but you don't have an accent. And I'm like, oh my, so I was like, well, because you're talking to me without an accent. So I'm, I'm react, my brain is reacting on the way you're speaking to me. But when I'm with my Filipino friends, accent, I love my accent. It's something that is very Filipino. It's something that I'm really proud of. But I, I've never realized that I code switch that much when um, um, until my, my partner pointed it out. And then I told him, yeah, yeah it's, it's, I told him it's a survival yeah. a reaction. It's a reflex because the, the way that our people react to these types of environment is to make sure that people won't step on us. Mm-hmm. And the only way to do that is to actually switch that we are okay. We, we are in same level as you. So you should respect us. Or you, So yeah, it's both each other. But, yeah, or whatever. I get, yeah, totally. And, and if, if I'm in the Philippines, I can't be... Because I talk with people who are my people. Yep. Like, yeah. I can't speak in English. I can't speak accept me in the, ano, in, in, in the yeah. community. So, it, it's part of my job. And that's how I react to a certain person in front of me. Yeah. But I think I think also when we're when we code switch, there's a sense of deliberateness in the way we talk. You know, especially when we're code switching upwards. I would say maybe uh, to white people or whatever you call it to to superiors at work. So it, it's deliberate because you don't want to make you know no missteps, right? You don't want to be misinterpreted or you don't want you want to be taken seriously. Whereas when we're mistaken. with our own. The spontaneity mm-hmm. comes in. Like, you know, yeah. my kids would say, you know, when we were, I think we were living in South Africa and they would say, mm-hmm. you know, mom, I know when you're on the phone with, with, a, with one of your Filipino friends or another Filipino, or if you're on the phone with a non-Filipino, I said, why? 
Because when you answer the phone, you're always like so abrupt with non like, hey, yeah, what's up? And with Filipinas, you go, hi! <laughs> <laughs> you have <deep> <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting too is I find, you know, this code switching, going to the more pleasant aspect of it, I think as Filipinos, because we're also taught respect, right? It's, it's such a big part of us. It can have its downside because we can be so respectful. We don't share our emotions. We just say yes. and then, But like growing up, for example, being mapote, and then going to Bugo and you know, talking to my, my cousins there and I look so different. Wow. I mean, they're real. I don't know. Like all I wanted to do is erase myself. Right. And it was all mano to my Lola. And really, I just wanted to be the most quiet, the most respectful because I already looked bastos because I was so mapute. <laughs> you get me? So parang, I just wanted to erase myself, look really humble, look like I belong. Then naman in Manila, going to an entirely different class that I was supposed to fit into, all of a sudden I had to, parang I felt I had to show all my credentials. Yes, I do belong here. Yes, you can respect me. You know, maybe I don't have that fancy last name or whatever, but, but, but I can converse at this level. It's very interesting to me. And I, I really, you know, Zais, I would love to know, you've gone through this incredible journey. And I just, what I want to know is what do you eat? How did you get your back? Like, I look at you in this confidence and this joy and I'm just like, damn, I mean, I would love, right? I, I remember something you said also, Isa, that, um, that like when they say, oh, oh, you speak English so well, but you speak more than one language, right? Mm-hmm. You speak several languages yeah, and five. that's one up from a lot of white people. Five. Five? Yeah. five? What, what okay, go. List. <laughs> uh, English, <laughs> you know, Cantonese, and two major dialects, Ilocano, and well, did I say Tagalog already? English, Tagalog, Cantonese. Yeah. In English, Tagalog, Cantonese, Ilocano, and then Isinai, which is our tribal. Oh, for in Nueva Ecija. In Nueva Ecija, okay. Yeah, so we have a tribe. I'm, I'm, I'm IP. <laughs> Apparently, I'm an indigenous. Wow. Person. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, so um, yeah, we we Filipinos are very smart. You're Th- just that's no question. Badass man. We are the OGs of yeah. the world. Yeah, people don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're smart, we're beautiful. It's just that we don't have all the opportunities to actually, you know, be our full potential. You know, and and I'm lucky that I was able to give them the chance to 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 reach my potential and. I agree with Laura about making yourself smaller when you need you need to and making yourself like big when you have to. I think we were taught that way. We were trained that way because Filipinos are strange fruits. I always try to say it. We are strange fruits. We're we're not um we're halo halo, baby. Yeah, we are halo halo. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Our halo halo. May ano nyog, may ube. May ube. That's a plan. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, my dear. Listen, I don't want to, I'm sure you're like busy at the yin yang. You said you're on assignment pa now, right? So yeah. I have to set you up for technical. So I don't, I just want to make sure we don't keep you from your no, such Important work of like, <laughs> grabe ka, bayani. I mean, I'm so just yep. 
you know, fangirling over here. I, I'm amazed. You know, Saisa, I, I have to say something as well. I'm like, I'm just so, um, I have to ask a question just for the record. How old are you? 34. Okay. Um, just, just even looking old? at myself. <laughs> how young? I, whatever. Yeah, that's bad shit. That's another bad and and you what, what at what age did you go to hong kong 19 19 so basically i mean a little bit half of your life sort of there right um yeah i i i'm just i'm hearing i'm hearing so many facets of your life of your experiences of your knowledge of your you know illumination I, I think I just need to point out as well that I think if I were to call this episode something as well, it would be um, the consciousness of choice because we can we can decide to be many different things, right? And you know, your story is basically one of of, of incredible choices mm. where you have challenged convention, where you have challenged um, layers, where you have challenged expectations and, 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 and look at where you're at. Right. I think it's really, really important to, to also be, to make sure that we keep on telling those stories the way that you have through your craft, which is the positive possibilities of change that come from ourselves as Filipinos, as you talked about self-awareness, you talked about all of this part, like we need to be very conscious about that. And I think you have an incredible gift that not everybody, and it's not just us Filipinos, but as human beings, not all of us are granted or gifted with the ability of self-awareness. You have it. And it's impo important for us to tell those stories because those stories And that self-awareness allow us to change and conquer. <laughs> I'm so inspired. I'm just like, oh. diatribe si Luis. I would like to dedicate in all of her glory. I yung drama. Mamaya yung drama. I mean, sincerely, I am, I am. I am yeah, so just away, incredibly girl. taken um, aback by, and by I just, what I just you've done. I just want to get you in a cocktail and just talk about art and, and arresting subjects and all that stuff all day. When the pandemic's over, game over soon. Game. I'm so done with this. Yeah, when you come over, tell me. We'll, I mean, Bambina will make <laughs> yeah. sure that we get some cocktails in Manila House, and we, I'd love yeah. that meetup. I'd love that meetup. You're, you're also going against the trope of the Philippines. I mean, To become a domestic worker is also to be servile, to, to, right? Because you're there to, you know, clean houses and iron clothes and all that. And so for you to actually find your sense of agency and say, this is what I'm going to do. These are the stories I'm going to tell. This is who I am. And not be apologetic at all for all of that. That really goes against a lot of the things that are ingrained in us Filipinos. Like, like you know, for you to, like, say, like, you know, you're... This, this is how you are. This is, you call it out. You, you call out bullshit when you see it. Okay. We're really, a lot of us really are not trained to do that. Are well, not trained to do but all day. What I would like to hear from you, my dear, as we close is what, like, if you were to, I don't know, really talk to Filipinos and say, okay, guys, this is what we need to do. What would that be? 
I do think that Filipinos, as Luisa have said, um, Filipinos need to realize that the power is on us, and it's not from other people. It's not. It's not. You know, it's not about our circumstances. But when we realize that the the only way, it's so difficult, you know, because we have so many problems. <laughs> I don't, there's not one solution to about being Filipino, but uh, the problems of being a Filipino. But I do think that we must learn to deal with the cards that we have mm. in life. And also, which is funny coming from me because I never learned how to play uh cards <laughs> i don't know how to play literally but that's one one of my favorite quotes that i tell people it's it's like we have to deal we have to learn how to deal with the cards that we are given and and realize that the power is actually on us you know and we and once we know that 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 we have that power then we can start changing ourselves because change comes from ourselves it, it's not gonna come from other people it mm-hmm. will it will be when you start doing changes for yourself right. because people you will attract people who have the same values who, who are in the same line as you and then you can make changes together but it needs to start from within mm. and please read more <laughs> i don't have a degree <laughs> i always advise that please read more because I don't want to reading get is fundamental. <laughs> reading is fundamental. Reading is fundamental. Getting your facts right. Getting your facts right. Yeah. Library, photography, and gallery library. Yeah, no, I see it. I see it. <laughs> read and verify, as Bambina is saying. Read and verify because, well, we must be reading, but not verifying. It will be, you know. That's right. But also to change means to demand more of our government, or, you know, for of people that are supposed to provide basic services. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, what I like very much hearing, you know, from a lot of what was said today is, okay, I need to be, what was the term? I said, self-aware. Diba? That's what you said. No? I said that about Bams Karina, you need to be self-aware, self, self-critical, self-questioning. It does start from within, which leads also to this quest, meet me halfway world. I mean, I've done this work. You got to meet me this way. It's not all on us, diba? Parang the government's got to figure it out. Like, you know, all these systems of power have to figure it out as well. Ah, I'm so killing. <laughs> so, so. A Filipino uh, that is aware asks for more accountability, I think. And yeah. they become exactly. smarter voters. That is it. Yeah. Oh, God, can I print yeah. that somewhere? A Filipino who's more yeah. aware demands PSA, more register to vote, please. Amen. Registering in September, right? Well, they're like, register. All we're saying is it's our right to vote. It's every citizen's right to vote. That's true. All right, my dear, on that note, I wow. think. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I had fun. Thank you. It's such a Air, kasi, oh, no. I fucking hope so because I, like I, I want to cocktails with you. Yeah. Okay, 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 let's let her go. Game, game, game. Thank you, okay. Saisa. Thank you so much. Thank you. Lovely meeting you guys, and I hope we meet again in the future. Yes, we'll yes. meet soon. Yes. Sure. Be safe. Okay. Uh, distance, Keep but you guys.
Bye. I leave Bye. my Bye. 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 Artist, activist, journalist, amazing story, amazing person. Fine, and they were they paled in comparison to listening to her and like I don't know, man, watching her, her physicality and her strength. Parang I just I'm sitting here going, holy Moses! <laughs> I just the, 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 my jaw dropped. Want, you know, there's a wisdom about her. I think. I mean, wisdom, wisdom is, is the word. Little, yeah, but don't you think it's it's more than that? It, you know, it's like wisdom and joy had a baby. You know what I mean? No, it's like wisdom yeah. and badass and joy had a baby. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I, I mean, because she's you nobody know, it's, cool, but she's not like, you know, lame about it. I don't know. That sounds awful. But you know what I mean? Like, she's just got. No, no, no. But it's, it's self-awareness. Talk about fucking self-awareness. Talk about humility. Talk about understanding a journey. Talk about fucking That's calling you, things the name they are absolutely yeah. but i mean she was i mean one of the things that i take um with me today is we need to call things by their righteous fucking name and it's like this is what this is right and and by by calling them what they are whatever these monsters are in many cases you basically make them smaller and you can deal with them in a way that allows you to just Go past them and incorporate Brene them, Brown, manage them. Renee Brown talks about that a lot, right? She goes, the biggest enemy of shame is is speaking it, right? When you speak on something, you change the ownership of it. And for me, the yeah. roots of that are really in semiotics. Semiotics is all about reification. If you name something, you own it. The fact that she's so clear about what, you know, the power comes from her lens and that art and her story and all of that. To me that, you know, if you're going to be an artist, you're going to be an activist, you're going to be a writer, you're going to be anything in this world. At the very least, at the mere, the minimum, the barest minimum, you need to have a real awareness of what your power is, what your authorship is, and the choice of using it for good or at least attempting to versus leaning into that privilege and just, you know, warping it and, and making the worst choices from it, right? Ugh. Do we I have an amen here? <laughs> amen. 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 Antonino. Wow. I was I was saying that um about the the double edged sword that OFW user you know that they represent is mm-hmm. one thing it's it's income for the country all this money coming in but on the other hand the hope was that they would come with their you know having been in for for the ones in first world countries. With all these ideas of the mo- how a functioning society mm. should operate and how like that basic mm. service delivery, all those things, like they would start to demand for these things. But mm. the situation here is such that it's actually really, you know, you feel defeated a lot of the time. I think it's hard to translate because, again, what Saisa was saying is your situation is here on one side and you have chosen the sacrifice. The last thing yeah. as Filipinos, and we're great with that, is we don't want to impose, we want to keep ourselves humble and we don't want to impose our hardships on the people <laughs> who stay back home. And I think that is where that changes, where the shifting happens. Yes, we know what we're doing, but we're not going to allow hardship to even become heavier with the people what I'm saying, when you talk to people and you know trend forecasting and everything right they say that they say like oh there's this emerging demographic like the um, the children of OFWs who some of them have been you know they were born abroad and they're coming back and all that and they have all these 
you know, they're exposed to societies that work and they'll come and change Mm-mm. society here. And it hasn't really quite happened because survival is still their That's first exactly. priority. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think, Bams, you, you put it really perfectly with this double-edged sword. OFWs are held up as such heroes, right? And to a certain extent, that also breeds stasis. <laughs> so when they come back home, you know, no one talks about the fact that, no, it's not like my my mom or my tito or whatever went away and then all of us went to college and really got amazing jobs and really got out of the cycle of poverty and now we're middle class. That doesn't happen happen as often as the legend or the myth that is, you know, pushed it says it that it does. So meanwhile, all our poor OFWs come home to retire. Their entire families are still extremely needy. And like you said, Bams, they're just focusing on survival. So change, what change, man? And then we're still worshipping them because, oh, at least nakalabas si ganyan, si ganyan, si ganyan, si ganyan. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. On that yeah. note, let's make sure y'all got to check out and buy immediately Saisa Cruz Bacani's book. Yes, Bams? Yes. We are like air. We it's are a beautiful like book. Actually. Air. It is a stunning book. More than that, it is so important because it's such a crucial part of the Filipino story that no one ever talks about and told through such a unique lens that is simultaneously, you know, personal and subjective from a real truth and also extremely empathetic and empowering and self-conscious. Go out and get the damn book. We are air. <laughs> get the yeah. book. Really, you gotta. We are like air. Okay, on that okay. note, should we just uh, say goodbye Fantastic. quick? Fantastic. Take a break. Bye, guys. This and Bye, then- love. Okay. Bye. So, Bye. Bye, Bams. Guys. Great Bye. See you Let's till the next back. one. Fantastic chat, everybody. Bye. Well, was it worth it? Did we work it? Put that thing down. Flip it and reverse it. Keep flipping with us. Subscribe to Flipping the Narrative wherever you get your podcasts to listen to our new episodes as soon as they drop. We're on social media too. Follow at Flipping the Narrative on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what you think. Or send us an email at flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. That's flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. Music courtesy of Cumbia Mamacita by Yoki of Ozen Beats. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Josel Gaston, our sound editor and musical engineer and podcast advisor and overall guru. And to Nami Kapati, the artist who created our awesome logo and visuals. Till we flip again. Flip.